0: Our <laughs> good afternoon everybody thanks for joining us for our end of year tax planning webinar uh, i'm john mark young and uh, very excited to have everyone here with us today thanks so much for making it out today i'm going to introduce our speaker our cpa on staff and and he's going to go through a couple things to be thinking about for the end of this year's tax planning as well as for 2024 and what you can be thinking about before then but before i go into that just really quick here, how do we think about taxes from a, from a financial planning perspective? Well, it, it really all comes back to when you consider your, your monthly budget, you, you know, if you're doing it the Dave Ramsey way, uh, you're doing it as a, a zero-based budget. And uh, one simple th- way to think about your zero-based budget is to break it into categories. You have your live category, your give category, your o category, and your grow category. The O category could be broken into owing debt and owing taxes. Those are the two main places that you owe money to. Today, Cage is going to spend some time on the category that most of us want to avoid, which is we want to avoid owing taxes. We want to decrease that uh, as much as possible. Now, of course, you know, when we have a biblical worldview, um, we're going to try to pursue the wisdom of the Bible when we think about owing taxes. and and the one liner that all of us can probably point to is when jesus said in luke 20 to 25 he said give to caesar what is caesar's and give to god what is god's in effect paying our taxes is part of being a citizen of the four categories uh, one of them is obligatory one of them you have to do you what you owe in debt and what you owe in taxes you're going to face consequences <laughs> if you don't pay them. So, you know, all of us, myself included, we take great pleasure in in grumbling about the burden of taxes. Taxes and and the reduction of taxes is going to take center stage in a lot of dialogue, political dialogue, as these presidential de- debates begin, including uh, President Trump's very popular Jobs and Tax Act of 2017 which is getting ready to expire at the end of 2025. So that's gonna be a center stage, taxes are on these presidential debates. So, so what's a wise perspective on taxes? Well, that's what we're gonna help you try and gain today. Uh, effectively, financial planning always includes good tax planning. As you muddle through the ins and outs of, of your taxes this year, uh, you know I, I encourage you to do so with a few paradigms in mind so that you can pay your taxes with gratitude and with integrity. First of all, what we owe in taxes this is what we as advisors with a with a biblical worldview think about taxes they're related to the material blessings that you have experienced over the course of the year i.e your income and investments doing well uh, we can review and view taxes as an indicator of, of a blessing in our lives uh, and it might help change the way that you and i view them now that doesn't mean to say that tax reduction is not a legitimate goal because tax reduction is a very legitimate goal that we pursue for our clients. But it should never be the tail that wags the dog. For example, it's unwise, and, and those of you that are on board with Dave Ramsey with us, you've heard him say this, right? It's unwise to leverage a large portion of your home or have a bigger mortgage than you can afford just so you can take an interest deduction on your taxes. It's unwise to never pay off that mortgage so I can keep the tax benefit. A good rule of thumb, You should never make a decision based on a tax deduction, and you should never expect to get a free tax deduction either, by the way. Think about that. There is no free tax deduction. Uh, Thirdly, as with any financial decision, it's wise to do tax planning. Perhaps your tax planning is simple as figuring out what's the appropriate deduction on your paycheck each month, or perhaps you have a more complicated situation that requires outside help, such as something we've spent many time with clients discussing the last few weeks, Uh, bunching multiple years of charitable contributions, using a donor-advised fund to take advantage of itemization and standard deduction throughout the years. Either way, good stewardship of assets involves wise wise planning. So, if you utilize a financial planner, and and many of you on this call probably do, be sure to integrate tax planning with your other financial planning choices. And finally, before I introduce Kate here, I, I believe that paying taxes should help us to remember to be grateful. For the freedoms and uh, protections that we enjoy as American citizens. Uh, The military blessings that we have in this country are not free. Uh, The police and firefighter blessings that we have in this country are not free. Uh, Truly, these gifts are unparalleled in the world at large. Nobody has them as good as we do. So, paying taxes reminds us that we are part of something bigger than ourselves, and that is of great value. Uh, While taxes are never a fun way to spend money, and they represent Uh, You know, many good things in our lives, again, they're an indication of our income. They can be paid with minimal pain if we plan well. So, all that to say, at Whitaker Myers World Managers, we have, uh, you know, as we've continued to grow and become larger, we always knew tax planning and a tax practice was something that we wanted to do. Uh, You know, having a financial planning practice felt unwise to not have a tax practice with it. Uh, And so, thus, we just needed a CPA uh to execute that for us and uh when we needed a cpa uh our management team was able to find one of the best in our opinion um and uh, that is mr cage rush who has uh started our tax practice and for for a few years now ran it and um and and been very successful and, and many of you probably worked with him so cage has over 10 years of tax industry experience uh providing advice and guidance for individuals and small businesses at a regional firm where he worked himself up to A supervisor level at that firm. He is a certified public accountant, and he attended and graduated from Muskingum University with a bachelor's degree not only in public accounting, but also a business management degree and a minor in economics and history. So, don't be surprised when our friend Cage throws out a little bit of uh, history as he talks through the tax planning as well. So, without further ado, uh, cage rush thanks so much for joining us on today's call and uh, we'll give the floor to you my friend thank you for the introduction john mark it's a uh, great here great to be here today i hope everyone is
1: enjoying the o- lovely ohio weather we have today is freezing cold in ohio so wherever you're at today i hope you have beautiful weather um to get things started uh, as john mark said uh what we look at at not only the tax practice but the wealth firm is uh really looking at tax planning becoming one of the Things you should be doing annually and talking through not only your financial advisor about budget tax account, because it can help set you up for long term financial success and not only planning for big events, such as buying a home. uh, Selling your personal home or just investing in uh, new types of investments, whether that be real estate, the stock market, um, all types of funds that are out there and just understanding what those implications are. Because the more informed you are about your financial situation, the better chance of success you have in implementing your financial plans that you work on annually. And as you uh, are set up with our wealth management firm. So to get things started here. Um, just a, we're going to talk about the 2023 tax year in interview uh, to get things started. We're going to talk about a legal disclaimer. Um, I'm not going to go through every single word of this. Um, the main gist of this is that, uh, all the information in this presentation as of right now is current with IRS rules and regulations. Uh, just like the government, it's due to change at any time. Um, so as new information becomes relevant, it's always, uh. You know, following up with your account, making sure that the current rules that are in place are still in place, or if there's been changes, um, just to be notified of those changes. So if it impacts your financial situation, we can help you be prepared on how that best um, can suit you moving forward. So with that out of the way, uh, we're going to go into the 2023 tax year review and this part of the presentation is just to help you guys start to plan for the upcoming tax season uh, going heading into early 2024. Um, what to expect as far as um, what the tax brackets look like, what your capital gain exclusions look like, um, and just really set the bar for what you should expect to see some tax documents, uh, what the required minimum distribution ages are and set up a discussion looking into 2024. Uh, So some recent tax uh, considerations that are relevant to not only our current wealth clients, uh, but around the country is that the expanded child tax credit and child independent care credit that was a part of the American rescue act in 2021 uh, is no longer eligible. So, the uh, child tax credit is no longer 100% refundable and it has been reduced down to. 2000 dollars per child under the age of 17 and 500 dollars for dependents, uh above the age of 17 that qualify. Um, that is 1 thing that really change people's perspective in 21 this year versus last year uh, being that they were expecting a bigger refund or because they got advanced tax credits they didn't get as big of a refund as they thought so that is not something that is going to be applicable in 2023 there has been talks about expanding that rule further in the Senate. Uh, there was a bill introduced by Mitt Romney and another fellow senator, but it has not gained any traction. So, for right now, plan on 2023 being the same old child tax credit that you were used to uh, in previous years. Um, the increased age for required minimum distributions from uh, retirement accounts for IRAs has uh, is now age 73. It was prior age 72, but that has also increased now to age 73. In addition, uh, there were rules that are still floating around the IRS uh, regarding inherited IRAs, uh, where when when you're required to take minimum distributions, that rule has been suspended for 2023. So what that means is if you were the recipient of an inherited IRA in the tax year 2023, you are not required to take a required minimum distribution this year. Unless you yourself are already subject to required minimum distribution on your standard retirement accounts. So if you're younger than 73 and you received a uh, inherited IRA this year, you do not have to take a RMD this year. For that, um, another thing that's been a hot topic is the form 1099 K reporting. Um, what this is, is, is trying to crack down on the reporting of money exchanged via your Venmo accounts, um, they're trying to lower the reporting requirements that still has been pushed out another year. So the threshold is still uh, $20,000 or more in transactions or more than 300, uh, 200 transactions. So you should not receive a lot of 1099 Ks this year unless you've met one of those two criteria. That is eventually gonna come down to the $600 minimum. It hasn't been decided one way or the other one that's going to be implemented. It's more of waiting on the IRS to issue regulations around that. Uh, once that's fully available, we'll be sure to let you guys know how to avoid that uh, reporting requirement as far as, um, maybe not doing so many exchanges through Venmo if possible. Um, just to avoid that confusion, because you could be selling personal items on Venmo and you still may get that 1099 K thinking you have an income tax requirement when you actually don't. Um, So one tip we always recommend is if you're using Venmo a lot, um, just knowing what you're using it for and having receipts to keep, if it is for personal use versus business use, because personal losses, you don't have to report on your tax return. If it is business related, you could have to report some of that 1099K so if you're using a venmo for both business and personal just make sure you're keeping that separate and that'll keep you in good standing with the irs um one topic that's really exciting uh is that in 2024 uh section 529 funds can now be rolled over to a Roth ira if certain criteria criteria is met um what is really good about this is that the irs is giving uh families where a, say your uh, college student has gone through college and there's some still extra funds left over in that account and you're not sure how to disperse the funds because she's no longer in co- he or she's no longer in college and you have ten thousand dollars in the account what do you do well they'd alleviate this the irs has made it eligible for those funds to be rolled over to a roth ira so not only did you help pay for your uh, child's college but now you've kind of helped jumpstart them in funding their retirement with this roth ira option Uh, For reference, these are the 2023 income tax brackets. There's not much significant changes in the brackets themselves. They've all been adjusted up for inflation um, in regards to those percentage brackets. Where this comes in play is when you're looking at end-of-year tax planning. If you're wanting to do Roth uh, Roth conversions, you want to know your tax brackets so you're You're uh, with lockstep on your financial advisor, as far as how much you want to convert to Roth this year, so that you're not jumping tax brackets from 12% to 22%. And that, and also just knowing what income bracket you're going to fall into this year. One thing that's always important to note, and I explain this a lot to clients is that when you do jump tax brackets, you don't get initially taxed at that tax. You instead ride through the tax bracket like a roller coaster. So if you were a family that made. 130,000 dollars this year in 2023, you would fall into the 22% bracket, but your effective tax tax rate, which is what your actual tax will be on your tax return is closer to 12% than it is 22%. Because you're where you're at in the 22% bracket is closer to 12% limits than they are the 22% limits. Um, And this is where it's nice to tell people as they're planning for the following year, if you anticipate a large bonus from work or you're getting a huge raise, to just be mindful of where those brackets are. So if you need to adjust your withholdings at work, you can reach out to us, you can reach out to your financial advisor and we can help you calculate where you should be in those withholdings so that you're, you know, you never want to loan the government free money. That's always been our stance here. Is that you want to try to be close to zero to a thousand is always the sweet spot because that's where there's no underpayment penalties for taxes. You can pay that when you're filing your tax return and you're maximizing your cash flow throughout the year to fund your investment accounts, whether that be a brokerage account, your 401ks, your Roth IRAs, just maximizing your cash flow throughout the year. Whereas if you're withholding the max every single time and you're getting this large refund, you're not cheating the government system. You're really cheating yourself out of that cash flow you could have had available throughout the year to make investments. Um, So that's what we always stress here is you wanna try to be close. Now, some people still have that preference of where they wanna have a large refund, but we don't want it to be your default mechanism is that as long as you're effective in tax planning, you shouldn't have a huge tax bill every year. nor should you have a huge refund. You should be somewhere in the middle where you're able to uh, maximize that cash flow year round. Uh, One more topic before we move on the 2023 capital gains brackets. How those work is that if you have a capital gain um, where you would switch between 0% and 15%, for example, if your taxable income falls above the 15%, your capital gain that pushed you over that tax bracket is only what will be taxed at 15%. So for an example, if you are a family household making $70,000 a year and you had a $50,000 taxable gain, your adjusted gross income for 29, uh, 2023 would be $90,000. With the standard deduction of 27,700, your taxable income would fall below 89,000 for a family uh, Threshold of 89,000. So you would have zero tax due on that capital gain. So again, this is another item when you're looking at your brokerage account and you possibly want to recognize some capital gains to rebalance your account, working with your financial advisor to see where you're going to fall in the tax brackets so we can help you effectively manage how to pay that tax. So you're not expecting that huge tax bill come filing season. So uh relevant these are relevant uh 2023 income limits that affect your returns and how you invest your funds. Um Roth IRA contributions for 2023 are up to 6500 this year, 7500 if you're 50 or older, and if your modified adjusted uh, gross income is below 218,000, you can do the full amount. If your income is between 218,000 and 228,000, your contribution is limited and then if you're above 228,000, your uh, Roth contribution is disallowed. Now, you can still do a non-deductible IRA contribution, but your standard Roth IRA contribution is disallowed. So one effective tax planning tool talking with your advisors is if you know because of job increases at work, you're gonna be above those limits in a given year, sit down and talk with your financial advisor, To say how do we can we, what's the best way to work around this situation so we can still get money into your Roth IRAs and be in those tax limits? One thing can be upping your uh, 401k contributions at work so that you'll fall below the 218,000. Another can be if you just have regular money in a 401k and you have no money in regular IRAs, we can do what's called a backdoor Roth to help you get that money into Roth. I will go over the backdoor Roth and how that works later in the presentation, uh, but that's just to set the table. And then your 401k contributions are $22,500 this year, Roth or traditional. And if you're 50 or older, you have an allowable catch-up contribution of $7,500 to get you to a 30000 total contribution. Um, Social Security tax is maxed on wages and self-employment earnings of $160,000. So the max you'll pay as an employee on Social Security tax is $9,930. If you are self-employed, it will be double that because you are responsible for the full portion of Social Security uh, self-employment tax. So where that becomes relevant in planning to Social Security taxes, if you're a self-employed earner, is that you might want to look at reforming how your business is strategized so you're not maxing out the self-employment taxes every year because that is a huge hit to take as a self-employed individual. And those taxes, you don't see them come out of your pay throughout the year like you would a normal W-2. You always see that calculation when you file. And if you're not ready for it, it's a huge tax hit. So doing estimated tax payments, possibly looking to reform your small business as an S corporation uh, are ways to help lower those liabilities. Um, You just need to be, again, talk with your tax accountant, talk with your financial advisor to make sure that's something that might make sense for you. It may, it may not, it just comes down to what your individual situation is and how you wanna attack them. Um, The child tax credit is the last one. So again, we kind of mentioned this earlier, but uh, up to $2,000 is available for kids under the age of 17 and $500 if they're between the ages of 17 and 24 or older, if you would have an um, older individual that you're taking care of in your home, you can get that $500. Um, where that does reach a limit, though, at $400,000 very filing jointly, it starts to get reduced by each $1,000 you're over. So if you have a situation where you're making $380,000 and throughout the whole year your withholdings are set up to anticipate getting that child tax credit, <clears throat> you could have a large bonus come in, put you over the $400,000 limit, and it's a double tax it for one because you just lost that part of that top child tax credit. But now you have to pay all that additional income, so it's a double tax it. So really planning and looking at your withholdings can help you minimize the situation. So, if you know, you're going to cross over thresholds, we need to change your withholdings at work. So you're not factoring in the child tax credit anymore. It will take more out of your pay, but it will prevent you from having that large tax bill come due when you're filing your tax return. So this is some common, the next part of this presentation for 2023, every year, um, we all wish for a smooth filing tax season, but that doesn't always happen, not because of situations we can control. Some of it is that that unexpected work bonus that puts you over the Roth IRA limits. Um, If you're on a marketplace healthcare plan, an unexpected jump in wages can uh, mess up your subsidy you're receiving and create a surprise tax bill. Opening up new investment accounts like a brokerage account or an annuity account or any other type of investment account uh, can be creating a new tax problem for you if you're not aware of what the filing requirements are associated with that account and how to account for them. And a surprise tax bill that I think we've mentioned a couple of times on here is just by not withholding the proper amount from your pay can really cause a surprise tax bill in your file because you're not looking at your pay stub, you're doing your pay stubs uh making sure you're in the same brackets and you're on track for that so we're going to walk through what each one of these situations looks like and how tax planning can help you with your financial advisor get these get ahead of these situations before tax season get the steps in motion to help get you on track and just help for a smooth tax filing season here in 2024. So the first step to solving all these issues, as John Mark said, is being proactive in your tax planning, with your financial advisor, with your tax preparer. So when you know a change is coming that's going to cause you to go over Roth IRA limits, you know, talking to us, talking to your financial advisor, talking to the tax preparer can help them know. One, if you're going to be able to take some portion of your Roth IRA as an allowable contribution, how much is that? Um, how much do we have to recategorize so you don't get a penalty? For over contributing to your Roth and how to ultimately resolve that long term. So, in the first example of a Roth IRA, if you were to go completely over your, if you were maxing out your Roth IRA for 2023 through throughout the year, you max out your 6,500 comes time to file your taxes. In 2024, and the CPA gets your taxes and looks at it and goes, wow, you made 240,000. You got a you're over your Roth IRA limits. We got to fix that. So your first thing to do is panic and say, oh, crap, what do we do? You know, I'm running up to the tax deadline. So what we need to do is you get your financial advisor, tax preparer on the phone, talk through what caused your income increase. And what your advisor can do is file paperwork with Schwab, with whatever firm you're using, to back out that contribution, to recharacterize it to a traditional IRA. Now, with your income being that high, it's going to be a non-deductible contribution, meaning there's no tax break for it. <clears throat> But what that allows the advisor to do, take that funds out of there in a timely manner. We don't, we're not rushing up to the April 15th deadline. And what we're able to do, if you have no other dollars in a traditional IRA, a SEP IRA or a simple IRA, we can actually do what's called a Roth conversion and take those funds, put them back into the Roth account and get you the same tax benefit you were getting before. There's just a couple extra steps we have to take with that. So, being proactive with your financial advisor and letting them know you're going to be over these limits, allows the financial advisor to contact the accountant. And let them know that they don't have any IRA money elsewhere, and that we can do the backdoor off because there are, it's not as simple as doing all these forms. You have to be compliant in reporting this to the IRS. So there are separate forms you have to file for this. So it's not as simple as an easy fix. It does take time. It does take steps by being proactive with the advisor and with your accountant, we can get these done in a timely manner. Make this the thing moving forward and solve that issue for you before tax season comes and you're stressed out of, again, your taxes filed. Um, Leaning on an unexpected jump in income. Another thing that can really impact this is if um, if your employer doesn't offer healthcare coverage and your spouse, or you're not able to get healthcare coverage and you have to go on the marketplace, a lot of your plan is covered by what's called these uh, tax premium tax credit subsidies what that is is if your premium would be sixteen hundred dollars the government will come in and say okay we'll fund we'll give you a subsidy of eight hundred dollars a month and lower your initial premium to eight hundred dollars a month based off fifty thousand dollars of income so if you have a large jump in income what the government does is lowers that subsidy to you because you now have higher income limits to afford that higher premium. What happens is if you're not in contact with your insurance agents to let them know of the jump in income, you're gonna still be paying a lower premium than you should. And what happens is when you get your premium tax statement, uh, it's also called a form 1095A, you go to file your tax return and you're gonna have a huge tax bill due when you file because you you were way over given subsidies Based on your income that you shouldn't have had. So the way to combat this is anytime you have changes in income that can be significant to your. Health care premium calculation, let your insurance insurance agent know right away. It's a simple fix on their end to do. But that will automatically adjust your premiums going forward. So you don't have to pay that lump sum of overpaid subsidy to you back in April when you file. And the opposite always works where if you were expecting a hundred thousand dollars in income, but because of being laid off or something else, your income is only fifty thousand. The government will actually repay back some of the premium that you paid because you should have gotten a higher subsidy. So it does work in both ways, but just be sure to not be on the end of it where you're overpaying, you're underpaying your premium and you end up with a large tax bill. Because a large tax bill, unexpected, if you don't have the proper emergency savings account, can really set you back, you know, a year or two in tax planning and investments because you have to allocate funds away from your Roth IRA contributions to pay this tax bill. So, <clears throat> this is really important to know that because you want, all about, you know, being going through the baby Dave Ramsey baby steps is being consistent. And keeping that same fundamental principles when you're doing building up that emergency savings, going through those steps. So you wanna be consistent on how you're doing your investments in your tax planning. You know, you wanna keep doing those same steps, building that wealth where, you know, one lapse can set you back a little bit because we're not expecting it. So by tax planning, that's filling another gap for you to where you can expect to maybe have to do some extra work, work with your Roth contributions this year, or you're gonna have to pay a little bit of higher premium on your marketplace plan. But as long as you're tax planning and aware of that, you can effectively budget what you need to pay for those and not be hit with a surprise tax bill when you're filing uh, in 2024. Um, one thing that's always exciting for us is, um, you know, as clients is helping you guys open up new investment accounts like a brokerage account. But if you're not used to these filings, it can lead to new uh, tax filings that you're not used to. So a brokerage account, Is a taxable account where every transaction after you buy the initial funds or stocks that you're invested in, whether it's interest, dividends, or selling the stock, there's some kind of taxable event associated with that transaction. If you've never owned a brokerage account before, you're not used to that. You may think it's similar to an IRA and not expect any tax bill. And then when you're in the mail come tax time, you might get a 1099 statement from Charles Schwab showing you all these capital gains, and you're surprised is that you know, it's not money that you budget for throughout the year. So what we always tell clients is when you're opening up new investment accounts with your financial advisor, it's always important to understand the tax implications of those accounts. So you one know what you need to expect to file during tax time. And also what are the possible tax implications of a capital gain? You know, where do I fall in the brackets so that you can properly plan for paying those taxes when it comes time to file and you're compliantly reporting all the requirements associated with those accounts to the irs Mm
0: -hmm. and a
1: big one that we've started to help clients with this this year is uh help figure out your recordings on your wages um so your wages can be tricky because if you're for example my mom is a traveling nurse and she's working overtime all the time so her wages year to year can be difficult to calculate because If she's not working overtime, she's paid one rate, but then she's paid double the rate. So it's hard to quantify what her wages are gonna be year to year. So what we try to do is say, okay, what do you think ballpark you're gonna make? What that does in your head and makes you sit down and say, okay, if I'm working my normal job, nine to five, what am I gonna make this year? And we we say, we're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars joint family. So what we can do is come in, help you calculate what your withholding should be per pay from your job so that you get the desired you know effect on your tax return if you want to owe 500 we can help you calculate your you know your withholdings to get in close to that range is it going to be exact no because every it's estimated withholding right? until you have all your information from your brokerage account investments your if you're taking ira distributions if you're taking social security the more information you have for your withholdings the more accurate your withholdings are going to be but if you're getting a one-time bonus that can always skew your withholdings or if you're getting a lot of overtime or that can also impact your withholding so we always recommend if you know you're going to get a bonus let us know what the bonus is when you're getting it because then usually after that bonus if your income is going to be steady the rest of the year as far as a pay goes we can help you calculate what that's going to be like and help you strategize on how to one adjust your withholdings to fix that problem so you don't have the huge tax bill or if you're towards the end of the year and it might be a little too late to fix that now we can help you plan for what you're going to need to save up before april and we can also help you get your 2024 wages fixed so it's just a one-time problem and extraordinary events also have an impact on this so if you're selling a rental property Um, if you're selling large investments that have large gains or similar transactions, always talk to your financial advisor and accountant before doing those transactions. So we can help you plan how to pay the tax on that, what that looks like. If we're able to minimize that tax bill by doing some charitable contributions before the end of the year, or putting those, some of the, you know, additionally investing in your 401k to the max, if you're not already doing that. I always recommend before any big events, it's always best to contact your financial advisor and tax preparer if you think it's gonna have a financial impact. It's always easier to proactively fix tax issues than it is to retroactively. So being proactive is really a first step in helping you plan long-term for retirement and and also in terms of having a good financial advisor. So here we're gonna talk about the 2023 tax deadlines. April 15th, individual deadlines is also if you have a corporate tax return you need to file or a trust in the state. Partnership and S-corporation returns are due a month before on March 15th. Uh, The 2024 estimated tax payment schedules are April 15th, June, September, and January. And then your current IRA contributions for 2023 (laughs) are due April 15th of 2024. So if you're someone who likes to review whether you can max out your IRA or not, Prior to filing, that's something we can help you with and also any recharacterizations because of over contributions to a Roth IRA. Are due April 15th, if you are running close to the deadline and you don't think it's going to be an issue that can get resolved in time, you can extend your tax return for 6 months with the IRS for free. There's no cost of doing that. The benefit of it is, is that those recharacterization deadlines get pushed back that October 15th deadline. So you have more time to get the proper paperwork filed with that. And with that part of the presentation over, we're going to now look into 2024 tax planning. So these are things we want you to be looking at when you look ahead to the tax year and how you want to be setting yourself up for success throughout 2024 and into 2025. So to start, we wanted to go over the 2024 tax brackets. <clears throat> Again, all marginally increased for inflation. Uh, the t- standard deduction goes up from 27000 to 29200 The tax brackets for capital gains go up a couple thousand each. So these are effective in helping you plan for capital gain taxes and possibly doing Roth conversions in 2024. So Here are some tax planning items we think you should be considering for 2024 and why we think you should be uh, considering these. The first one is if you're a family, uh, consider opening up a 529 plan for your children. The second one is reviewing your RMD requirements on your uh, retirement account. So if you're hitting that 73 age mark in 2024, reviewing your RMD requirements with your financial advisor and then reviewing the diversity of your tax investments. So with the Secure Act 2.0 that passed this year, opening up a 529 plan makes more sense now than it ever has before. Before, there was always the question of, well, do I open up the 529 plan because there's no federal tax deduction, whereas with an ESA plan, I can at least get a $2,000 deduction. Now, depending on what state you're in, there are 529 deductions available. For Ohio, we have a $4,000 deduction per dependent. Uh, for states like South Carolina, you can actually contribute up to 500000 lifetime, and there's no limit on what you can do per year. The only limit there is is the $500,000 lifetime limit per dependent. So where that makes more sense now is prior to the SECURE Act, there was no real way to get rid of the extra funds in your 529 account without either, one, passing it on to a new beneficiary, you know a new child beneficiary if you have more than one child or taking the tax hit when you take it out. So, if you only have one child, this isn't useful to you, right? So, with now, what they've done is allow up to $35,000 lifetime per beneficiary can be rolled over into a Roth IRA if certain requirements permit. So, we always get the question as financial advisors and as tax preparers. I want to help my my kids retirement. I want to help set up a Roth IRA for my kids. So he learns how to save for retirement. The issue is you have to be working as a teenager or even younger. To be able to even contribute to a Roth IRA. Well, the 529 plan solves that problem. So, here are the requirements for the Roth. For it to be for a 529 account to be eligible for the Roth IRA rollover. The first one is that the account has to be open for more than 15 years. So if you already have kids that you're funding this through young kids, chances are by the time they're in college, they're gonna be close to hitting that 15 year mark. If you have new young ones, I have a daughter that's three years old and a son that's one year old. This is the perfect time for me to be opening up these accounts because by the time they're 18, they're gonna be eligible for this rollover, whether they decide to go to college or not. The Roth IRA must be owned by the 529 account beneficiary. So if I set up the Roth IRA in my daughters as a beneficiary, the Roth IRA that's set up has to be in her name. So she has to be the primary account holder on the account. Now, another requirement is that the rollover amount cannot exceed the annual annual IRA contribution limits. What this means is, so we went over earlier that the max IRA contribution amount is 6,500. That's the max you would be able to do. In 2023, if you were to qualify this year for the rollover, for 2024 that amount going to go up to four thousand or seven thousand. So you would have to roll that over a number of years. So that's why I'm saying having the Roth IRA open while the kids are young and the uh, 529 plan helps set you up for that. The eligible uh, rollover amount has to be in the account for at least five years. So if you're funding the 529 as they grow up as they go through. Grade school, uh, private school, high school, you'll meet that five year requirement fairly easily, but it does have to, like a standard Roth IRA, it has to be in the account for at least five years. There is a lifetime cap limit on Roth IRA rollovers, as I said, for 35000 for each dependent. Um, so if you have multiple accounts in a kid's name, it could be a situation where you run down to the last kid and you have a little bit left over. But if you have multiple kids that got to reach that limit, it's a good thing to have. Um, The 1 thing that's uh, also wages Roth IRA income limitations are waived for the 529 to Roth IRA rollovers. So, it doesn't matter what your kids making, they can do the Roth IRA rollover. For that limit so. What the 529 now does for parents is it gives them the chance to not only avoid the issue of if their child decides not to attend college or some kind of trade school, they've saved all this money for nothing. And they can't, they've lost that opportunity on that money and they have to pay the taxes on it all coming out on the earnings. Now, what you can do is help this to help your child start their retirement savings earlier than even we were able to. You know, our grandparents, our parents were able to to so help get them set up for even success further as they go into the workforce. You know, and under normal circumstances, as we talked about, the only way you can contribute to a Roth IRA normally is if they have earned income, if they're working, if they're working at McDonald's, they're working at Kohl's, they're working at you know summer job that is where they can only do the Roth IRAs. So what this new option allows is allows parents to contribute post tax dollars to the child's future education, whether it's college or trade school, use those funds to tax-free to pay for eligible expenses such as tuition, uh, and books, classes such as that, and the excess funds up to 35000 lifetime can be transferred to a Roth IRA in the child's name. So, for me, that just makes perfect sense to do that. Because whether your kid's going to go to college or not, or even trade school, you college is not becoming more affordable. It's going in the opposite direction. What I paid at Muskegon in 2013 is almost close to double what it is now just to attend there. So we all see the cost of college rising and rising and scholarships are not always available from for, for middle class Americans to where you know you can afford to go to college without taking out a tremendous amount of debt. So the 529 comes in to help you cover that cost and if any are left over roll that into a Roth IRA for your children and help jumpstart the retired. So this for us is really a no brainer going into 2024 because now you get that Roth IRA roll roll over eligibility. The next tax planning item is for our retired folks or folks that are hitting 73, years old in 2024. So reviewing RMD requirements, Uh, beginning in 2023 the age is now 73 if you were born before or born after december 31st 1950. if you're 72 in 2023 your 2024 rmd requirement has to be taken out by april 1st 2025. now you can elect not to take the initial rmd for 2024 but then you're required to take two of them in 2025 and your 25 rmd must be taken out by december 31st of 2025. So if you elect to defer your first year, you still have to take it, but in the following year, so you actually have two RMDs, the following year you hit 72. So RMDs can actually create tables for individuals if you're not planning on using those funds in retirement, Um, whether it's between your funding Social Security is funding your retirement, whether that's a Your Roth IRAs are funded retirement. RMDs come out of regular IRA accounts. Roth IRAs are not subject to RMDs. This is traditional 401Ks and IRAs, and SEP IRAs that are subject to this. So one way to avoid this tax bill is if you're a charitable person, you give to your local church, you give to a number of uh, charitable organizations. The way to avoid this surprise bill or this RMD bill is doing a qualified charitable distribution through your investment advisor, through your RMD. Each year you can designate up to 100,000 of your RMD from the IRA, send it directly to a charity through the QCD. What the great benefit of the QCD is, is that it decreases the taxation of your RMD dollar for dollar. So what that means is, is if you take a $20,000 RMD and you did a QCD of 20,000, you don't have any taxable income from that RMD on your tax plan. Now, why this is better than just a standard, your standard normal tithing, given cash to your church is because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017, which was a great act, is that they doubled the standard deduction. So what happened is that it made it harder for individuals to actually itemize their charitable contributions because of the double limit. What the QCD allows you to do is forego having to look at your standard versus itemized deduction approach. So an example we provide here: If you have a retired couple, age seventy three, with an RMD requirement of twenty thousand dollars, with one hundred thousand dollars in taxable income before the RMD, and they have a they do a twenty thousand dollar QCD to their local church through their investment advisor John Mark, this wipes out any tax back at the QCD and allows them to take the standard deduction in twenty twenty four of thirty two thousand three hundred. How we got to that number is you take the standard deduction of $29,200 plus your additional deduction for being over 65, hitting retirement, and their income is $67,700, you are in the middle of the 12% bracket. If instead that same couple had decided to not do the QCD and they instead take the RMD $20,000 and then give the $20,000 themselves to the church, what ends up happening is their tax bracket. They go all the way up through that 12% bracket because their taxable income went up $20,000. Because most likely, if you're in retirement, you might not have a mortgage anymore. You might not have medical bills that can cover you to get to above the standard deduction to itemize. So if you only have $20,000 in charitable contributions compared to $30,000 standard deduction, you're going to take the standard deduction so that twenty thousand dollars, while it was very charitable of you to give that donation, you lost all, on all the tax benefit of it. So that's where the QCD really helps you take advantage of the tax benefit of being charitable. It helps you avoid that, you know, thirty three hundred dollars or so you recognized in tax actual taxes you have to pay now because of that RMDA. Even though you were very charitable and gave it to your local church, gave it to your favorite charity. So, a QCD allows you to be charitable in a tax efficient way that we all want to get to in retirement and all want to get to being able to give back. All that we have, um, you know, been blessed to have in our lives and a QCD allows us to do that. While also being tax efficient with uncle Sam and the government and doing that. So the last topic we want to talk about today before we open up our Q&A session is uh, reviewing the diversity of your tax investments. So like anything you ever hear in investments is you always want to be diversified, meaning you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket as far as stocks go. You don't want to just be invested in Apple. You want to be invested in multiple funds that have you know, varying, whether it's aggressive growth, growth, bonds, so that when the market is up, is down, if all your stock is down on that day, Your whole portfolio is down because you're not diversified. Well, the same goes for your tax investments because you don't want to have all of your retirement in one one basket. So for this approach, we're not just simply talking about your type of investments you have in retirement, whether that's stocks, bonds, real estate, but what type of accounts are those funds in? Are they in a brokerage account? Are they in your 401k? Are they in a pension plan? Is it social security? So it's just as important to, uh, as it is for you your investments to be uh, diversified to avoid risk. It's just as important that your retirement portfolio is diversified from a tax perspective to avoid large tax bills in retirement. So when we when we speak to individuals and when I speak to friends and family, uh, you know, during this time Christmas time of year, they always since my CPA I always get the tax questions always ask them oh how are you saving for retirement now that i'm partnering with a wealth firm and that these are my two favorite responses i get i get well i'm, a, I'm in my company's 401k plan i don't need to do anything else i'm good or you hear my brother who's an electrician in union he goes my company has a great pension plan no need to worry i'm solid and what i tell them is well these are good starting points for you to have a great retirement but you shouldn't just have one account Especially when you're trying to lower your tax bill and take advantage of the tax rules in place to help you build a successful retirement. And what I tell them is, if the majority of your retirement funds are in a 401k or a pension plan, chances are, if you're not a Dave Ramsey follower, which most of you are, a lot of that money can be in pre-tax dollars, meaning a standard 401k. Unless, of course, you follow Dave Ramsey and you're able to do it, you do a Roth 401k plan. The downside of this strategy is that all your income in retirement is subject to income tax when you withdraw these funds, if you're a standard 401k. That means if you have any unplanned events, like having to buy a new house, a medical emergency, anything in retirement that causes a surprise, hey, I need $50,000 today for my financial advising. That can trigger a huge major tax impact if you have just one type of account to fund your retirement. So what we as a tax preparer partner with our financial advisors to tell clients to do is that there are a number of avenues to address that imbalance you have of pre-tax versus post-tax dollars. If you're in a higher income tax bracket and you contribute to your 401k plan because you want to get the tax deduction because you're paying 24, 32% on your taxes, a way to add post-tax dollars to your retirement is through a Roth IRA. As Dave Ramsey will tell you, the main benefit of the Roth IRA is that the funds grow in the account tax free. Which means any money taken out in retirement does not impact your taxable income in that year if it comes out of Roth IRA. So it doesn't impact your social security taxes. It doesn't impact what bracket you're in. Like a Roth IRA, there are holding requirements to a Roth as a traditional, and they also have an income limit of 230,000 for 2024 for married filing jointly and then 146,000 for or head of household. So if you happen to be out of the income limits and have no money in other IRAs, you can do a non-deductible contribution and then convert those funds to a Roth IRA and still get the tax-free growth. That's where having your financial advisor and your tax preparer in the same building and under the same umbrella can help you maximize those. deductions for you, so you're getting that diversified portfolio of pre-tax versus post-tax. And when you're doing these types of transactions, we always recommend working with your account and financial advisor together because there are uh, IRS reporting requirements with this approach so that you can be compliant with these uh, post-tax dollar contributions. Another way to uh, diversify your accounts is to open up a brokerage account. Uh, What a brokerage account is, we talked about it earlier, it's a taxable investment account that allows you to invest in the stock market, treasury notes, structured notes, uh, RIA investments, real estate investment trusts, funds. The only downside of a brokerage account is that every transaction after you buy the stock or you buy the fund you're invested in can be a taxable event. So if you're paid dividends or interest or capital gain distributions, those are taxable events to you. So you're not ready for that it can cause a little bit of the tax bill the upside of a brokerage account though however is that there's no holding requirement on the funds to be freely in the account meaning if you put the money in today and for some reason seven days down the line you need to take the money out as long as you're not in a structured note or a real estate investment trust it's fairly easy to get that money out of the account so what we it gives you more flexibility when you need cash right away where, and you don't have to do as much planning, unless there's a large capital gain for loss associated with the account. So, it's useful in building your portfolio of pre-tax versus post tax dollars, but it also can be used in tax loss harvesting to give you some capital losses to claim as a deduction on your tax return. The capital losses, you can deduct up to 3000 per tax year. And that can be useful when you have to rebalance some gains and losses in your brokerage account. Another uh, option would be if your company plan allows it, you can do a a health savings account. What a health savings account allows you to do is get a payroll deduction for funding uh, medical medical funds from your payroll up to 4,150 for single plans or 8,300 family plans, so that you can have funds set aside for your family when you have doctor's visits, medical visits, medical bills, prescription bills, the benefit of it is is it's pre-tax going in. And as long as you use that funds, those funds on qualified medical expenses, it's tax-free coming out. So you get the benefit of having both the pre-tax deduction that everyone wants, but you also get the tax-free side of it if you use it on qualified medical expenses. Now, the only downside to an HSA is that it results in a higher deductible on your plan, meaning You might have some more out-of-pocket costs. So if you have a family with a lot of children and you're constantly in and out of the doctor this time of year, an HSA may not be what's best for you right now. But once those kids are older and you're not in the doctor once a month during flu season, an HSA can become more feasible for you. There is an age limit on HSAs and that age limit is 65 because that's when you become eligible for Medicare. They they disallow your start to disallow your contributions to uh to an HSA once you've hit sixty five. So to summarize, how you're reviewing this tax diversity, we wanted to kind of rewalk through each of the plans. So what a, the reason why you would want to fund a four hundred one k at your work is one because it has higher contribution limits than a standard IRA. It's twenty three thousand for twenty twenty four or thirty thousand five hundred if you can do the catch up contribution if you're fifty or older. It can be Roth or traditional. There's no income limit, so if you want, it, if you're a high earner and you still want the Roth tax-free growth and you're willing to pay the higher taxes, you can do that. Um, they are traditional 401ks are subject to RMDs, but if you are charitable, like we said, when you hit those RMD requirements, you can leverage those RMDs to be tax-efficient in your charitable contributions. A Roth IRA gets you the post-tax dollars that you're looking for, tax-free investment in growth. On large purchases, like if you need to purchase a home in retirement after selling, you need a bridge gap in funds. A Roth IRA is a good option for that because it has the tax free on the money out, and there's no RMD requirement for our Roth IRAs. A brokerage account is flexible because it has the most flexibility out of all these accounts. It doesn't tell you what you need to spend the money on, so you don't have to worry about an early. Uh, penalty if you're under 59 and a half to take money off a brokerage account, and you also don't have to worry about spending on medical bills if it's an HSA account. So, the brokerage account gives you the most flexibility when you need funds on especially on what you need to spend it on. And an HSA account is helpful for you. It's a tax deduction for, uh, tax deductible for contributions you put in, and it's tax-free for distributions as long as you're covering qualified medical expenses and can also help cover medical expenses in retirement that you may not be planning for. So with that, I'm gonna turn it back to John Mark here uh, for the Q&A discussion to go over some questions uh, that everyone put into the chat. Uh, prior to the webinar, we had a Q&A we asked people to ask questions for, and uh, John Mark's gonna start going through those questions.
0: Yeah, Kate, maybe before we go through some of those, um, Doug uh, in the chat had put a question in there that Andrew did a good job of answering, but let's just get it on the recording. Uh, and Doug asked, Kate, um, while there's no income limits today for your child or grandchild that you would make that 529 contribution for, uh, so you can start planning to get their Roth dollars put away if you don't even anticipate using it for college. The 529. Um, what are the income requirements when you go to do the conversion? Presumably 15 years or later down the road on the child. On the so version? that.
1: Uh, there, all these regulations by the IRS have not formally been finalized. There would still be a minimum earned income requirement. So chances are, if they're 18 and they're not in college or trade school, they are working. So they are working some kind of. The minimum they would need to have to meet that requirement in 2024 is $7,000, which is not a very high limit to hit. So you are able to do that rollover even if they're working part time to start to do that rollover even if they're working part time between. During your sub during the summer, they're working part time between college semesters, or trade school, etc. But once all those rules have been formally finalized, we can issue give you guys more guidance on that.
0: Sure. The um, and if anybody has, oh, here we go. We have a uh, question from uh, Dennis and Barb here regarding the HSAs. Um, uh, what is the catch up contribution for an HSA for the, this year? Um. Thousand dollars would be, uh, you know, the typical catch up on your HSA if you're over the age of uh, 50.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's over a thousand dollars. So if your max for a family plan is 8300, you are you'd be eligible for that additional thousand dollars and be able to contribute 9300. And if you're both over the age of 50, you would both need to be able to do a thousand dollars.
0: Um, And again, any other questions, feel free to put them into the chat. One that we had um, pre-submitted and and, uh, definitely uh, a popular one, but as I mentioned on the outset, uh, the presidential election is going to have a big impact uh, on what more than likely happens to our tax code post-2025. What are your um, thoughts around the election and, and its tax impacts?
1: So yeah, it's definitely going to have a huge impact on your uh, on the tax code post <clears throat> election because all these tax current tax laws are expected to expire in 2025, and with the current structure of the House and Senate, don't look to see get, anything getting resolved prior to this election. If there is a full Republican House, Senate presidency, a lot of these laws might stay in place because they do favor. I think they're very favorable to small businesses. And by doubling the standard deduction, it does help lower your tax bill a little bit. If it's a full democratic house, you might see some of these deductions go away. Uh, they might increase the child tax credit a little bit, um, but there's definitely gonna be a huge swing in the tax side one way or the other, because normally what happens is that's um, the best way for a president to make an impact on their voters. Um, you know, If you look at the last couple presidencies, presidencies, um, With the exception of Joe Biden, he didn't really pass any tax laws um, that have relevant impact um, on you personally. Most of the time is that when Trump came into office within a year, we had all these new laws on taxes. When uh, Barack Obama took over as president in 2009. Within a year or so, he passed major tax law changes. So that's their way to make an immediate impact on their presidency is usually taxes. And because a lot of the provisions expire every six or so years, unless it's deadlocked into law, a lot of these tax laws expire every so many years, usually seven to eight, and that's where we're falling into. So that's definitely one thing as you're listening to the presidential debates coming into the election year and you decide who you wanna vote for, what's their plan on taxes? Cause that is gonna massively impact your retirement, how you plan for retirement, going into these, uh, this next
0: election cycle. maybe along those lines, uh, a question we had was, um, assuming that the standard deduction does get reduced after the the Job and Tax Act expire, how could I take advantage of the standard deduction and itemizing my um, taxes uh, over the next two years? Is there a certain type of, of structure you can can do and that's where, uh, depending on the type of giving that someone's doing, uh, a donor advised fund can really uh, step in the in the window and allow somebody to itemize and take that standard deduction the next year um, before we go back to a much much lower standard deduction.
1: Yeah. So with the standard deductions being double for at least the next two tax years, if you're expecting a large tax hit this year, you the benefit of doing a donor advised fund is you can put the money in the fund now. Get the tax benefit now when you have the higher income be able to itemize in 2023 and then in 2024 once your income is lower and you're you don't have the money to be as charitable as you were last year because of a one-time event you can then go back to the higher standard deduction and still be charitable in 2024 by going through the donor advice fund to give out those funds that you previously donated so if you're expending a large tax bill in 23 but not 2024 It's smart to do the donor advised fund before year end, get the money in the account, because you can take the deduction in 2023. You don't have to give it to the charity in 2023. You just have to have it in the fund before the end of 2023. With that,
0: yeah, and of course our, our custodian Schwab makes donor advised funds extremely easy. Uh, okay, last one here, Kate, because uh, we're a little past time, but we want to certainly get these questions answered. Um, when can I expect my tax documents from Schwab?
1: Perfect. Yeah, so 1099Rs, so that's the distributions from your IRA accounts, are usually available by mid-January, the first week of January online. So most times we get that you guys will get those by a similar time when you would get your W-2s. The ones that seem to take longer are your brokerage account statements, and those are typically available online. By uh, February 15th, depending on the week, uh, but they can take much longer to mail out to you. So it could be a couple weeks after that. The one benefit that our wealth clients take advantage of is because our tax practice is so synchronized with the wealth firm, we can actually grab those tax statements available online in Schwab for you once they're available. So that cuts a couple weeks off of you having to waiting during tax time for filing.
0: Kate, uh, this was excellent, a lot of good, uh, great planning ideas, um, the uh, alpha that an advisor can add, the, the excess return that an advisor can add certainly can, can be quantified when you look at taxes. Uh, there's a lot of ways, as you described today, to, to save money on taxes. you for going through this. This video was recorded, so uh, we'll be posting it on our YouTube channel and our podcast, uh, which is on Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast centers. Uh, over the next few days here. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Of course, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel or our Apple podcast, uh, channel, please do so. That will allow you to get notified when we drop the, the audio recording for the tax planning webinar. Uh, hopefully this was valued for you next month. We'll be talking about real estate and real estate based investing the right way to do real estate based investing. We have a phenomenal guest joining us from one of the largest real estate firms in the country. Uh, to talk to you, all of our clients and, and everyone about uh, how to do real estate investing what's the outlook for the real estate market in 2024 and going forward. Definitely want to hear what their thoughts are on office buildings, malls, data centers, single-family housing, all the uh, the parts of the real estate market that are, that are moving big right now. So thanks so much for joining us, Cage. Thank you for uh, spending so much time going through this for our clients. Thank you for the hard work you do for them. And we'll look forward to seeing you next month on our weekly monthly webinar
1: thank you everyone it's nice having uh having i enjoyed doing this for you guys and i hope everyone has a merry christmas
0: and a happy new year